Hey, you're listening to The Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and so want to make Him the centre of our lives, our community and our world. We're going to learn how to do that right now as we sit down and unpack Sunday's sermon. Well, welcome to Banter. Here we are. Another week, another banter. Uh, I'm back in our normal spot. Feels like you know, The routine is back. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. Back up in the loft. Living yeah. the dream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Mitch, thank you for uh, your sermon oh, on, on Sunday. Right. It was um, a really, I think, um, challenging and thought-provoking sermon. Mm. Um, I think I, I'd love to start by asking you a bit of a question in regards mm. to prophecy yes have you ever had something spoken over your life that has Mm. come to be true yeah great question i've had a few people speak things over me Mm. and honestly they were so vague yeah they could have come true or might not have come true sure so one time uh it was at a prayer meeting i shared about how stressed i was feeling as at regions park i just started and the lady goes, oh, I've got this vision of you in a dark forest and Jesus there is a light. Hmm. I was like, that's cool. I feel like I just told you that I was feeling a bit. Sure. So that was like her. Mm. And then there was another one where one of Rachel's friends in London, it's very odd. She, we were having dinner and she's like, oh, hang on. Sorry, sorry, I'm just getting a vision. And we just sort of stopped eating. And she's like, oh, I had this vision of you as like a giant mouse leading other little mice. She's like, I don't know what that means. I'm like, oh, hmm. that's interesting. So... Yeah. What it, what it mean? I was about to start at Regent's Park, so it could have meant that, but mm. it was just a very, like, vague sort of... Mm. I would never have pictured myself as a mouse. Mm. But anyway. Mm. You're a man or a mouse. <laughs> 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 no, love it. So, yeah, that's kind of the, probably the two big ones in my life. Yeah. Myself. Um, I've had um, someone speak over me um, that I would be... Um, used for the passion that I have for Australia Mm. and my country to invest in that in a big way. They kind of gave me, they kind of said, like, if you were a tree, you'd be a gum tree. And Mm. it's sort of like, you know, that idea of, I know, patriotism is a bit of a loaded word, but I do love Australia. And um, I think that there can be a bit of a misnomer that to really serve God, you need to go overseas. Mm. And I think there's great opportunity to be a missionary on our own doorstep. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's probably the one that comes to mind off the top of my head. I can't, I'm sure there have been others, but mm. I can't. That's, that's the one that God put on my heart just then. So, yeah, mm. yet to, I think, see that fully um, mm. come to fruition. Yeah. But, yeah, I think that there's uh, maybe some truth in that. Mm. But it's hard, isn't it? It, it is hard. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We were having a big discussion about this before recording. Yeah. About what that looks like. Yeah. So um, it's something which I bang on about a lot because it's something which for me has been a really helpful and important mm. paradigm shift. Um, when we're looking at a prophet like Jeremiah, what does prophecy in an Old Testament context mm. look like? And how do you see it? Or do mm. you see it? Because um, I do. <laughs> yeah. How do you see prophecy in a, let's mm. just say Jeremiah time, being yep. different to say the gift of prophecy yeah. that Paul writes about yeah. in 1 Corinthians? Great, great question. So Old Testament prophets, I saw had sort of a two-pronged role, was to call people back to Yahweh. Mm-hmm. So they noticed and were aware of the covenant violations that were going on. <clears throat> 
and tighter and less covenant violations would be covenant curses. So mm -hmm. in Jeremiah's context, it mm -hmm. was exile. Mm -hmm. And so calling a people away from destruction, but Jeremiah also twofold is speaking into the future, mm. into judgment. So mm. predicting, yes, the Babylonians are going to come and mm. destroy Jerusalem and you're going to go off to exile for mm. 70 years. He was quite specific about that. But judgment's not the end. Mm -hmm. um, in this week's passage in particular, Jeremiah buys a <coughs> piece of property from a relative mm -hmm. and he puts the deed into a jar pot and basically, hey, like, this is a sign that this land will one day be used again and mm. there will be yeah, vineyards and mm -hmm. life on this land again. And so, yeah, there's, that, there's definitely a future element. They predict future events. Maybe not the precise detail or the mm. day, but like certainly the Babylonians came, certainly the... Um, the exiles went back home mm. and so yeah but there's that i see primarily as that more calling people back into repentance not just necessarily predicting future events mm. yeah great question for modern day um yeah i look at the book of acts and you have um simeon simeon simon's four daughters the virgin daughters yeah. and they predict um like paul going I might be getting my wires crossed yeah, with them, yeah, yeah. or um, it's Paul getting going to Jerusalem and yeah, then having his the yeah. rope tied around his. Uh, hands, and then they yeah. also someone also predicts the drought, mm. and so it's interesting. It seems, yeah. And then when Paul's sort of writing in Corinthians, I get the idea that prophecy is a way to encourage the church as well. Mm. So yeah. what that lady was trying to do for me, we're praying over me. I hear so this vision to encourage me to keep going mm. and. I think there's an element of predicting future events. Mm. Um, there is a book I read a long time ago, Jack, Jack, why? I can't think of his name now, but he spoke about encountering these prophets who would kind of, God would give them insight into like key moments in people's life, whether their mm. past or mm. their future. And so I see it that way. It's similar. Like there's a w encouragement. Like when you prophesy with someone, you want to bring some sort of encouragement yeah. or rebuke to point them closer to God yeah. and perhaps as part of that you are predicting some sort of event that may happen mm. in the future so, yeah yeah so what I'm hearing from that is um, there is still a capacity mm. that I think you and I would probably both believe yeah. to predict future um, mm. as um, divinely given wisdom mm. from the Holy Spirit um, but prophecy um, overwhelmingly or predominantly mm. looks like encouragement or rebuke mm. that points people back to yeah. God. And that uh, is ultimately, I think, a really important distinction to make because I know that um, previously I thought of prophecy as fortune telling full mm. stop. Yep. And I think there can be an element of mm. that. But yeah, there's a greater um, percentage of it which mm. tends to be encouragement rebuke yeah. um, speaking God's truth into mm. a current situation well yeah. like your prophecy like being like a gum tree mm. and that's encouraging you to go into ministry mm. which has a, certainly a future mm. element to it yeah that's not describing like on the 25th of November no. 20 you know yeah, 2025 yeah. or uh, yeah, 2020, yeah. yeah 25 or something like, you know it's yeah sort of a little bit open-ended yeah. in that sense but you could see oh this is sort of mm. the direction I'm heading mm. this prophecy yeah predicted yeah. but also pushes me into God mm. more so yeah and mm. look I think that this is sort of the big question that yeah. this passage and, and you raised on Sunday 
It's like, well, how do we know mm. that modern prophecy yeah. is true? <clears throat> when do we know that it's untrue? Yeah. Um, you gave us kind of two litmus tests. Mm. One is ultimately does it come true, true yeah. <laughs> which is that's, that's a pretty good one i mean you know um but again a lot of the time um you use one example which we'll get to in a second mm. but a lot of the time these prophecies don't necessarily have a definitive time no, window yeah. on them um and that's something we can look at in, mm. in a little bit in one example but um has it become true yep. and does it yeah bring people closer yeah. to god that's kind of uh, two <clears throat> tests yeah and one of the things i didn't mention just for timing on sunday was in jeremiah 23 Jeremiah has a long like lament over the state of the priests and prophets mm. and so for him the the false prophets like Hananiah were just encouraging the, the status quo mm. so yeah Jeremiah's mm. trying you know desperately to stop like I think at his heart he didn't want Jerusalem to be destroyed I don't think he was yeah. gleefully going yes Babylon's here this yeah, is fantastic yeah, yeah. I'm being proved true yeah, I think he yeah, yeah, well yeah. as we know from his laments I don't want to do this yeah but like he says here, it's quite raw. My heart is broken within me. All my bones tremble. I'm like a drunken man, like a strong man overcome by wine. Um, the land is full of adulterers. And he, it goes on about how both prophet and priest are godless. And so mm. there's sort of that background underlying. Yeah. You know, they can, they're encouraging the status quo, not encouraging people to turn of like, well, you know, yeah. just keep doing what you're doing. It's all going to be fine. God's going to protect yeah. Jerusalem permanently. Yeah. You know? Could um, you also say, I think one thing for me um, in discerning whether um, some sort of prophecy or, or <coughs> professed word of God aligns with God's actual mm. will um, is a communion of believers mm. who confirm that, yeah, I, I actually have also heard this mm. or been given this vision. Yes. Um, I think that that's a big thing for that me. Is, I'm like, well, yeah. if multiple people are independently feeling that yes. God's putting this on their heart, that is yes. a really big confirmation for yes. me personally that, okay, cool. And also, again, like, you know, I think we um, hopefully in our lives all know people who we trust mm. <laughs> and people who, you know, might come to us who we don't know as well or maybe, you know, don't yeah. show great godly character who speak into our lives who might be, uh, okay, let me like yeah. mull over that a bit more. So I think even the... Um, I don't know the authenticity. I know that's probably not the best word, no, but saying, yeah. of, of someone's character. Does someone yeah. have a truly godly character? Have they been shown time mm. and time again to have a heart for God? Yeah. Um, I think that really speaks into whether a word can be yeah. taken seriously, uh, truthfully mm. or not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm one of that passage in Acts. It seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's definitely this collective, like, understanding that. Paul and Barnabas were called to go out. Yeah. Um, I actually reminded this nine years ago now, 2014, mm. Rach and I went on a discernment weekend. I don't know if I've mentioned this before mm. with Global Interaction. What are they called now? Baptist Mission Australia. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it was really cool. Like part of the discernment weekend was to discern, discern if it was God's will to go on overseas mission. Mm. And yeah, we part of that weekend, we had to share our story and, and then people kind of, commented on it and what god was doing and yeah everyone uh, like agreed that rachel and i were called into ministry mm. which was really cool there mm. wasn't like wasn't overseas mission as it would turn out but mm. it was a cool reminder to see like a group of christians go yeah yeah we can see like god's got a calling on not just mitch but on you rachel and yeah. you as a husband and wife into ministry so that was yeah. a great yeah. yeah affirming so yeah so definitely that like, community aspect is not just 
one person going, oh, yeah, do this. And everyone else is like, oh, I don't see that, but yeah. we're going to do it. So Yeah, yeah. so good. Mm. So, well, let's get into maybe a more practical yeah. example. Um, a You kind of just teased, teased it on it, Sunday. Yes. You said mm. we're going to talk about Christian mm. prophets around Trump yeah, and how so they became untrue. Well, put caveats. We're not going to talk into the politics of Trump or yeah. who you should vote for. This yeah. isn't about whether or not any of that. This is about a man called Jeremiah Johnson who... In 2015, he was one of like one of the few evangelical prophets to like say Donald Trump's going to become president mm. in 2016, mm. and so because of that, he he amassed quite a large following. Mm. And so when it came to the 2020 election, um, Jeremiah Johnson prophesied a similar thing, and he had so this is an article from the New York Times. He had um. This, this prophetic dream of Trump stumble, of stumbling while running the Boston Marathon until two frail older women emerged from the crowd to help him over the finish line. Mm. And so he saw that as a sign that Trump would be re-elected. Mm. Now, when um, Biden were, won the election, Johnson did something which was highly controversial in his ministry. He actually repented. He said here, he goes, he admitted... Uh, this is his like, apology. I was wrong. I'm deeply, deeply sorry, and I ask for your forgiveness. I'd like to repent for inaccurately prophesying that Donald Trump would win a second term as a president of the United States. Mm. And he, from his own comments, 90% of the comment, like comments, were just like hate, hatred. Like they just tore him down. It destroyed his ministries, Jeremiah Johnson Ministries. Mm. He's now doing something else. And so I found this very interesting about. Like when we're looking at Hananiah mm. versus Jeremiah, I was like, well, what do I do with someone like a Jeremiah Johnson? Yeah, like clearly he was right about the first election, mm. got the second one wrong. Mm. And so, yeah, was that dream he had, was it like his own imagination with what he want? Was it like a deceiving spirit that went to him? Was mm. it, I, I don't know, but, and he repented of that. And so like Deuteronomy 18 has that, Specification, you know, how do you know what a prophet is? Well, if he gets it right, then he's right. If not, then it's not. It's like, oh. mm. So, yeah, what do you do in a context yeah. like this? And so I, I found that interesting. Mm. I don't know what the answer is per se. Like, I'd say he, yeah, still loves the Lord and wants to follow Jesus and sure. wants to sort of learn from these actions. But I think in terms of a prophetic ministry that he once had, like his followers have turned his back on him. And so... He's moving down a different direction. So, yeah, I find that just interesting and in what, what we do with that. Yeah. And, like, I still don't know the answer. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, it raises so many Ooh. questions. I think the first mm. one, me being cynical, is like, well, you know, not not an exact um, statistic, but mm. it's probably 50-50 on the first one. The Trump <laughs> yeah, got, yeah, you know, true, in, like, hey, in a bipartisan yeah, system. Yeah. And I'm sure that that's not an accurate mm. percentage. But, you know, like yeah. to say that one of the two leaders of the bipartisan system <laughs> that you're a part of in your country is going to win, like yeah. not, not, not a huge call. Mm. Um, so, yeah, like who knows if the first yeah, one yeah. was a true prophecy or mm, just a mm, guess. Yeah. But I think, yeah, it, it raises some very interesting questions. And one of which is... Um, we are flawed human beings, mm. obviously. Yeah. Um, what is our response even when, yeah, like a prophecy turns out to be untrue? Mm. How do we respond to yeah. that? It's an interesting thing. Does that completely, um, obviously in his case, it, it mm. ruined his prophetic yeah. ministry in a public forum. Mm. Um, but I just even wonder for him personally, as somebody who 
I, w- I would say probably genuinely believe that he had yeah. a gift of prophecy. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what does that mean for him moving forward? It's all mm. very tricky and complicated. Tricky. And look, I wouldn't want to say this guy's... Like, I wouldn't go, he's a Hananiah who needs no. to die. Like, that's no. what happened to Hananiah. I didn't talk yeah. about that. But yeah. Jeremiah prophesizes. She's really Jeremiah basically loses... Essentially, he breaks the yoke. Yeah. Jeremiah kind of walks away yeah, silently. Yeah, yeah. He kind of gives up legs. a bit, <laughs> and then and he gets some word. Oh, he's going to die in a few months, and then he does. It's like, oh, like yeah. I would. Like this article's two years old, and I googled Jeremiah Johnson. He seems to be alive and kicking. He wasn't no iron yoke. No. Yeah, he wasn't <laughs> yeah. killed, and yeah, and so yeah. In this case, like, is it? I think of him like actually repenting is a big sign of bad. Oh, yeah. yeah, like that for me. I actually say it's like a real mark of like godly character to yeah. recognize didn't try to force his prophecy to come true. Yeah. He recognized oh, I was wrong. And I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. And yeah. For me that's a mark of a Christian maturity yeah. leader to actually recognize when you make a mistake. Yeah. And, and I think furthermore he probably would have known to some capacity that it would have been detrimental to the future of probably where he makes a lot of his money and mm. his financial income, you know, yep. like that I think is quite admirable in mm. and of itself that he was willing to lay that on the altar yep. <laughs> for, you know, the truth of yeah. God to be yeah corrected in that. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's a really interesting yeah. um, so, example. So it's quite, if you're interested, the article is, article is called Christian Prophets on the Rise, What Happens When They're Wrong from the New York Times. And it's, oh, Reading it's not really like it doesn't tear apart Christians, it just states facts. And mm. yeah, it mentions the stories of a few other prophets and how that shift in American cultures away from, particularly America's distrust of traditions, mm. a distrust of politicians, of mm. doctors, of like religious institutes. And so looking for these prophetic figures who can speak, yeah, into the future for them as spiritual guidance. Mm. So yeah definitely well worth the read but yeah there's a quote at the end here this mike killen he's um yeah i'm not sure what he is exactly but he just said here about <laughs> referring to like jeremiah johnson he's like jeremiah johnson should have kept his mouth shut like mm. that's mm. that's what he said about the whole thing should mm. never have um repented never has spoken and yeah so, right yeah yeah to me there's still like that underlying tension of like yeah, perhaps Trump did win and mm. yeah, didn't and sort of forcing that. So Yeah, yeah. and I, I think the other interesting thing is just see the damage that an inaccurate prophecy can mm. sort of lead yeah. to. I would assume that it probably was in part fueling, you know, the insurrection. Mm. The, you know, it was pretty awful. I think, like, I read caused like $2.7 million worth of damage. Not mm. that that's the most important, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, sort of so, um, measure. But yeah, like that yeah. was, you know, a horrific day in, in America's history, yeah. you know, when so, a bunch of people, you know. So I think, yeah, it, it gives us a number of lessons. Like you said, what, what platform people have and what is like Christian leaders we can do and our followers, uh, yeah, following like a set of teachings that we think are the word of God mm. and yeah, what damage that can do if that doesn't come true. So, mm. yeah, yeah, there's a... I think that's, that was part of, like, my challenge, I guess. Uh, and look, and comes with lots of caveats. That whole message should have had little footnotes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Does it push us closest to Jesus? <laughs> and it's like, ah, oh, yeah. There's some things that aren't... Yeah. But I think it's a great way. And, yeah, look, it's a good question. Who's, you know, the leader of a certain country? Does that make me more like Jesus? good question like if you're if you're fixated on a certain politician winning or a certain political party or mm. a certain 
ideology coming through, um, yeah, it's a good thing to reflect upon. Does it make me more like Jesus? And we can do it even with theology. I, yeah, Apostle Paul talks about don't get you know, wound up in controversies over genealogies and yeah, all this and that and the other. And I can find myself going down those rabbit holes of like theological like debates mm-hmm. over scriptural interpretation and mm-hmm. yeah, suddenly the theological position or my interpretation of scripture can become more important than actual demonstrating Christ likeness. Mm. So yeah, mm. it's um it, yeah, I think for me too, like I found that that message like challenging on myself of how I view my own interpretation of scripture mm. and my own view of things um mm. yeah for a thousand years the church read scripture in an allegorical me- method mm. and when you get to bible college mm. absolutely tear that apart yeah like, like a superimposed allegory yeah, yeah, yeah like, it's definitely <coughs> like parables that are allegorical yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah superimposing yeah, like, like extra like the, allegory the donkey and the you know good samaritan represents jesus and the yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul and well like while I was looking at and dismissing all what idiots, I was like, well, these men and women are very faithful. So yeah. I mean, that was Augustine, wasn't yeah, it? Like, Who wrote that, like, pretty, yeah, pretty yeah, yeah. still respected church father. Yeah. And so I think for me, like, even that, it's like, well, yeah, you read some of Martin Luther's writings. Yeah. Some of them, like, hmm. they're pretty anti Semitic pretty mm. horrific but you see what the guy did for the church too so <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'd add very anti-Semitic <laughs> but yeah <laughs> uh, so yeah I think that's that's the humbleness I sit with is that God uses us mm. as broken creatures yeah. and sometimes we get things wrong yeah and actually having the humbleness to yeah to do that so while I'm not saying yeah Hananiah was you know a misguided prophet he was mm. definitely a false prophet Jeremiah mm. knows I think the lesson I got from that is like how do we yeah, deal with like kind of two sets of teachings and how do we mm. discern that and yeah. have sim- sitting more humbly and being prepared to go, oh, okay, I once thought this or believed that and that proved to be wrong and actually acknowledging that. Mm. So, so you spoke yeah. about this idea that we, yeah, just need to be careful about how much we're tying our theology um, into um, a political party a political figure Mm. um but likewise the sort of the other tantalizing teaser Mm. for banter Mm. was this idea of god's use of evil empire Mm. for his glory so we're kind of you know it's 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 two very interesting things that we're saying here one is be careful of elevating anybody as you know the answer mm. <laughs> to solve all of our problems because ultimately you're putting you're trying to squeeze them into the mold of Jesus yeah. which they're not going to be able mm. to do and um, yeah being careful of that but um, almost in a seemingly you know surprising flip side you see God also using evil empire maybe for yeah. his plan for his yeah. Um, yeah. purifying glory it, what it would you kind of say absolutely about that? remarkable text and let me just pull up my computer will let me so yeah like jeremiah like what's really god's words yeah you know great power outstretched i made the earth like really establishes his creation you know i made the people animals that i want i give it to anyone i please now i'll give all your countries into the hands of nebuchadnezzar Mm. now when you read the book of daniel (laughs) nebuchadnezzar look yeah, there's some bad things he does, you know. He ch- mm. chucks Shadrach and Shadrach into the fire. Like, yeah, it's not great stuff. He, yeah, after seven years of living as a wild animal, though, he does acknowledge God, and that's super fascinating. Mm. He, like, basically recognises that, you know, 
Yahweh is the supreme God of all. Now, whether or not he becomes a follower of Yahweh, it's not really clear. But mm. yeah, I just find him just an enigmatic figure. But Babylon as an empire represents evil. Mm. And so there's this representation in scripture based off the Tower of Babel. So in Hebrew, it's cool. Like Babel is the same word throughout. So we, we translate it as Babylon and Babel to differentiate. Mm. But in Hebrew, there's no differentiation. Mm. And mm. even Babylon's collapse, it's from the writing of the wall with mm. language that they can't understand. So it's like, yeah, Babylon started mm. in like confusion and it ends in confusion. Mm. So there's a cool little interplay there. Yeah. But yeah, I, I just find it yeah, deeply fascinating because he's given, he says, yeah, I've given to my all countries in the hands of my servant Nebuchadnezzar even the wild animals are subject to him like mm. it's real creation language it's almost mm. like Nebuchadnezzar's given this Adamic sort of role what Adam and Eve were supposed to do, rule mm. and subdue over the animals mm. but it's only for a time period mm. you go, all nations will serve him any son his grandson until the time for his land comes then many nations and great kings will subject him mm. and so seems like in this season, the Israelites were called to be light to the nations, for mm. lack of a better word. Abraham's family was meant to be a blessing over the, all the earth. But because they've breached the covenant, it's like, well, okay, well, that covenant, we have to end that and we'll oh, one day bring a new covenant. Mm. And so to have to punish my people for failing to do that, mm. I'm raise up an evil leader representing an evil nation mm. to fulfill my purposes. Mm. And yeah, like in, in Jeremiah, Jerusalem's painted as this horrific place. Sure. But I'm sure there was righteous people. And I know that because Ezekiel has a prophecy mm. where he visits the, the city and the temple. You mm. know that, Ezekiel? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and there the angels go around and put like a little tav, a little mm. Hebrew symbol tav. It looks like a cross almost, which mm. is interesting enough. A little mm. tav on people's like um, foreheads so they don't get killed when mm. um, the Babylonians come in. Mm. So obviously there was righteous people because they get taken off yeah. and yeah for, for me it's like okay God used this evil to accomplish his purposes does he still do that today mm. and I think of like the horrible events that have happened in world history and continue to happen like look at Russia and the Ukraine right now and parts of Africa I was like well where's God in that mm. what's he doing with those evil empires are yeah, is he still saying these same words, you know? With my great power and outstretched arm, I made the earth and all the animals, and now I give this country into the hands of ex-ruler. Mm. And so, the issue that creates more <laughs> questions than answers, and I don't, yeah, I don't confess to have any answers, so, you know, mm. that's my thing. I like asking questions and leaving us hanging. Mm. But a great it's very thing Jewish to, of you, man. It is very Jewish of me, you know. <laughs> Levi, Livingston, you know, it's tidy with the last name. But yeah, I feel like these. Are, I mean, I just feel like these are great things just to to mull over. So where mm. is God in mm. like politics mm. and world events and yeah, how His name is glorified? And and so in Scripture, it's easy to see how it is because obviously we have got this covenant yeah. relationship. And yeah, and even just hindsight is twenty twenty. Like, it of is. Of course, yeah. Hananiah was a false <laughs> yeah, prophet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the book's called Jeremiah, yes. not Hananiah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Brooke wasn't writing about yeah. Well, there's false prophets. So. Yeah, just for us here in Australia, like with, you know, who the political leaders are in charge, obviously the shifting in world power balance to a more, yeah, China-India focus as new world leaders. Like mm. Where is God's hand in that? And in like the violence that still happens 
across the world and yeah I don't, know if I, I don't, I don't have any answers for that mm. but I just feel like it's something important for us as Christians to wrestle with um, yeah Australia is a very beautiful country mm. a very peaceful country but it may not always be that way and so I may always just sort of I like wrestling these things because I, I look at world news and just go wow like you know, how was I so like, fortunate to be born in this country mm. at this time and day and age mm. where right now there's people my age in Ukraine who are you know mm. their houses have been bombed out or they've mm. been conscript conscripted for the army or they've fled their country and trying to rebuild their lives yeah, yeah. as refugees and so yeah yeah where where is God in that and yeah, so, yeah. yeah that's some of, that's some of my reflections more of my throwing out questions there for mm. us to ponder over and dwell and just sort of fall back into God's goodness and power and that was I see with that image of the yoke is that yeah the yoke may seem very oppressive and it seemed oppressive to certainly Zedekiah and all those kings that were meeting at that time there seems to be a bit of evidence that around 594 593 BC that there was a revolt and so some commentators think that might have been around that time mm-hmm. when it happened that sort of kind of these delegates or these kings had got together to kind of plan how they're going to overthrow Babylon together mm-hmm. and that gets quashed and it's actually like the irony is it's like no actually stay under this yoke of Babylon mm-hmm. and you will be saved mm-hmm. and Babylon's going to have its comeuppance mm-hmm. one day too mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. yeah yeah I mean look I think that it's also one thing about being members of a new covenant family mm-hmm. in that you know we are um, no longer able to say oh like that nation is a Christian nation that mm. nation isn't like the mm. reality is we have brothers and sisters in Christ mm. in Russia in yep. China in India in like insert probably yeah. almost any country yeah. you know in the world um, so this idea of a certain nation having mm. power <clears throat> and God only wanting that nation to be in power, only being able to use that type of mm. people, I feel like is even um, more obvious in this day mm. and age. You know, obviously God can use even a completely pagan um, mm. evil empire uh, in the Old Testament. But yeah, the thought that ultimately we aren't defined by, mm. you know, the flag that we sing a song under mm. where, you know, really identified by our unity in Christ. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's then comforting, I think, for me to know that ultimately, regardless of how strong the Australian dollar is mm. or how secure <laughs> our borders are mm. or, you know, what sort of emperor or prime minister or king mm. we might need to sort of, you know, recognize as the person at the head of the sort of pile God's sovereign mm. and his hand mm. is over it. And even in times that look incredibly bleak, and we see this mm. like in Israel's yeah, exile, yeah. Um, even when we're being thrown into furnaces, hopefully more metaphorically, <laughs> um, yeah, that God is still sovereign, mm. that there's another in the fire with yeah. us. And I think that that can be a really helpful reminder yeah. in a time that people can feel really anxious around global politics, mm. around our security and around the future legacy mm. that our country has. Yeah. And one of the, I guess, things I draw from, why not, may not understand how God uses like an empire like Babylon. What we see particularly like in this little, like this little 
passage here. It's only till the time of his son and his grandson. And then there was the <coughs> Medo-Persians, the Greeks, Babylonians, um, not Babylonians, the Romans, mm. then like the Roman Empire collapsed. Yep. And then now it's sort of, and it will kind of happen again. Empires will rise yep. and fall. Yeah. And that was like when, when I started Jeremiah, re- riffed off um, Augustine, mm. he's like city of God. Mm. And so, yeah, that's for me is just falling back on that is recognizing, okay, there may be a season where these rulers will have power mm. and we just have to sort of accept that and see mm. what God's going to do in that. Mm. But yeah, with the knowledge that's not forever, evil doesn't rule mm. forever. And mm. that's, yeah, I think that's the, the cool thing with Jeremiah. Yeah, there's a lot of negative prophecy. Mm. It seems to just drone on and on and on and it yeah. can be very, very discouraging. But yeah, I- even in chapter 27, it's like, hey, you know, well, guess what? Like, because one, one of the third group he prophesies to is the priest who are worried about the, the temple articles. Yeah. And he says, hey, guess what? You know, he says about these things, you know, they will be taken and they'll remain there until the day I come for them. Mm. Like, yeah, okay, they're there right now. Yeah. They may not come for a while, but they mm. will come back. And so, yeah. yeah, for me, that's like, I may not understand what God's doing on a global scale. Yeah. But the knowledge that, well, if the exiles were sent out, and returned, and I see that as a bit of a um, almost a living parable for what Jesus done. Like in the sense, Jesus' death is like an exile in some ways. Like and even going outside the city, you know, outside the city, outside mm-hmm. the the sacred place, killed out there, buried for like three days. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a metaphorical seventy years of exile mm-hmm. and coming back to life. If he's done that once, and the exiles returned home. And he'll do that again for us, mm. for sort of living as exiles. And that's how the New Testament describes us as we're yeah. exiles, yeah, pilgrims on this sort of journey. And yeah. yeah, pilgrims are sort of rootless in any sense, waiting mm. for, for Jesus' return. Mm. Uh, and mm. I think I love this idea that as Jeremiah is calling, you know, Israel to be under the yoke of, of Yahweh, you know, you kind of just pointed to this vision that Jesus then offers in Matthew 11, mm. that come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and mm. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn mm. from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my mm. yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I think that, yeah, when we can sort of um, struggle with the idea, I think, in an individualist Mm. society that's so obsessed with autonomy, Mm. um, this idea that, yeah, to humble ourselves and come under God's yoke is to come under Jesus' yoke that he speaks about so poetically um, and beautifully in Matthew 11. That's interesting, the yoke. We're talking about this before recording. The yoke of Jeremiah is... As a common ancient Near Eastern way of talking about like subjection, but mm. in the Gospels, the yoke yeah. is seen as something, yeah, yeah. not oppressive, but no, yeah, easy, yeah, and light. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Uh, well, we are. Yeah, you've kind of already given us a little bit of a teaser have, for yeah. Sunday. Yeah. Um, are we going to maybe see a, another enacted prophetic um, signer? There'll, there'll be some props. All right. Love a good um, prop. Yeah. Now this one has words. Um, so yeah, no, no more silent Sinax, <laughs> or not this week at least. So yeah, gonna look at um, Jeremiah buying the land mm. from um, his yeah. cousin, and just how putting yeah that they like that sealed scroll of the land into a pot mm. was a sign of 
Yeah, he does it like at the eve of like the exile. So sure. <laughs> the time when like you wouldn't be buying property. There's no yeah. longevity yeah, here, yeah, guys. Yeah. He's, buying this, <laughs> he's buying this land as a sign that, yeah, one day like people will return to this land. Mm. And so it's a great... I got a quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He used it in his letters when he was in prison. Mm. of like, hey, one day, like it won't be like this forever. God has a better plan in store. And so mm. idea of looking to symbols as hope. Mm. Uh, yeah, what symbols do we have? And obviously we have the cross. Mm. But yeah, sometimes do we have a pot and a scroll in our life mm. that we look to? Mm. Uh, yeah, it. look, I've done the message, so you know. <laughs> Just Not at all. Don't, don't rock up on Not Sunday. <laughs> Still rock up on Sunday, guys. We look forward to seeing you there. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for the chat, bro. No worries, Murray. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.